You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Nate Lawson about dental ceramics. Dr. Lawson is an assistant professor in the Division of Biomaterials at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. He is passionate about testing new materials and techniques in the lab and applying the results to clinical dentistry. Dr. Lawson's primary research interests are related to the physical and mechanical properties of dental ceramics, composites, cements, and adhesives. Dr. Lawson, thanks so much for joining us on Dental Talk. Phil, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, so um, biomaterials is uh, your thing, and that is definitely related to the field of dentistry, and we're really excited to hear a little bit about dental ceramics. You're going to be talking about zirconia um, and other products, other materials. So my first question is, what is a ceramic, if you can define that for our listeners, and then if you can clarify whether zirconia falls into the ceramic category or metal uh, would be a great way to start. Okay, great. This sounds like kind of a, a simple question, but I think it actually uh, does create, a, it is a source of confusion sometimes with, with practicing dentists about, you know, specifically zirconia, if that material is truly a ceramic material or if it's a metal. And I like to take this back to, I like thinking about my background in, in Esley and engineering when I was sitting my uh, freshman year of college in, in a material science 101 class and my professor would have said to me you know everything in this world that we can touch put our hands on is, is composed of three different basic types of materials so we have materials which are polymers we have materials that are metals and then there's materials which are ceramics so ceramic is just a basic type of material and it's defined as a material that's a combination of a metallic and a non-metallic element. So when we talk about the material zirconia, it's actually uh, the, uh, the atoms zirconium and oxygen. So zirconium dioxide is zirconia. And um, so by very definition, zirconia is a ceramic material because it's a co combination of this metallic element, zirconium, and this non-metallic uh, element, which is oxygen. So um, so one of the ways that I help kind of think about this or remember this, because there's a kind of a nomenclature here. So zirconia, ceramic, zirconium is a metal. And the one that helps me remember this is aluminum. So if you think of like an aluminum can or aluminum foil, we all know that's, that's a metal. If you compare that to alumina, which would be like a Procera crown or a, um, aluminum dioxide is a ceramic. So similarly, zirconium, like aluminum, is a metal and zirconia, is a ceramic material and it seems like you know why is that important to the practice of, of everyday dentistry and kind of a funny story I had a, a friend of mine that I was talking to after uh, one of these dental meetings and she was telling me that she had gone to a lecture and the lecturer had said that zirconia is actually a metal it's not it's not truly a ceramic material and I've heard other people say that and so she started billing out her uh, her full contour zirconia <laughs> crowns as metal crowns as the you know D2790 or whatever, oh boy. Uh, yeah. because, you know, the intellectual that said it was a truly metal, but it's by very definition a, uh, a ceramic material in zirconia. Maybe, maybe not, the, is it possible metal. the lecture hall had a cheap microphone and zirconia <laughs> sounded like zirconia? <laughs> Let's try to give the speaker yeah. the benefit of the doubt there. Um, yeah, it's funny because I talk about this in my lecture, and a lot of times, you know, as the lecture is going on, someone will raise their hand and say, oh, tell me about the zirconium crowns, and I put my hand on my forehead, and I say, oh, I just had this whole slide about, you know, zirconia versus zirconium, so, um, but, 
yeah, I think it's, um, you do hear that on the lecture circuit where people say, because it, it behaves differently than, you know, some ceramic uh, materials, but it is just by definition, it is a ceramic. So, so, so technically when a speaker is talking about or, or an article is written about the material, it should be called or noted as zirconium dioxide? Yep, either zirconium dioxide or zirconia, either one. Okay, either one is correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the different types of ceramics that are out there right now? Okay, so yeah, this can be, um, I remember when I was uh, took dental materials class in dental school and they we had a very complicated chart of all the different types of ceramic materials. And But, you know, when I'm talking about them, I think um, of classifying the uh, ceramics into just three very basic types of categories. So I think of materials, uh, so, so, you know, stepping back a second, all ceramic materials can be uh, in two different types of arrangements. You can have materials which are glasses. So glass materials are more uh, transparent, uh, but they're a little bit weaker. And then you have materials which are crystalline. Crystals are uh, more opaque, but they're stronger. So with dental ceramics, you can have materials which are all glass, we can have those which are all crystalline or those which are a combination of glass and crystalline. So examples of materials that are uh, completely glass or predominantly glass would be like falsepathic porcelain. Um, and that's why that material is so translucent, but it's also uh, not, as, right. not as strong. Mm-hmm. And then you've got materials which are uh, that are completely crystalline, and that would be like zirconia. Zirconia is composed of... Um, pure crystalline material and so that's why it's so strong it's kind of like this material we could use for for, for posterior bridges but it's also you know the trade-off is that, that it's more opaque and then you've got these materials which are in the middle which have a, a, a glass matrix but they're reinforced with crystals and this is you know you have a, a this is a more wide uh, range of materials this would be like the lithium disilicate material emax and then some of these newer lithium silicate materials like Celtra Press or um, Obsidian or Suprinity or some of these, these are materials that have uh, crystalline dissolved within the glass. And, and again, you get this trade-off. So again, the materials that have uh, more glass component, like the feldspathic porcelains, are going to be these very highly translucent aesthetic materials uh, like you would use for a feldspathic porcelain veneer. Uh, but on the other end, you get materials like uh, zirconia, which you can use for a posterior bridge, but you you um, they're going to be more opaque. And um, it's funny here up in um, in Birmingham, our practice about an hour and a half north of here. There's a, a town or a city, Huntsville, Alabama, where there's a NASA site and there's a lot of engineers. Sometimes I'll have my friends call me or text me from from their offices and they'll say, hey, Nate, what is the the strength of one of these materials? Because they have an engineer in their chair and they're asking him before they you know, deliver that crown, what's the flexural strength of my my crown. So I, I kind of came up with this very simplified, you know, um, way of thinking about the, the actual values of these materials. So something like a glass, a felspathic porcelain has a strength of about 100 megapascals. Then the lithium disilicate glass ceramic type materials are about the 400 megapascal strength. And then when we get to our zirconias, they're at 1,000 and above as, as far as the strength. So that you can see it's not just a, a little bit stronger. I mean, when we, when we move from one category to the next, it, you know, it doubles or triples uh, in, in strength. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last thing I like to think about when we talk about the, you know, the glasses, the, you know, partially glass, partially crystalline, all crystalline materials, that relates to the ability to etch these materials. And we'll talk about bonding a little bit 
later, but uh, the materials that contain glass have the ability to be uh, etched with hydrofluoric acid, and then the ones that don't contain glass, you have to, those are the ones that you sandblast in order to uh, create the texture for bonding. So, so yeah, again, my just in, in summary, I talk about mostly glass, like feldspathic porcelain. We've got the the glass ceramics, which are the ones that contain glass and uh, crystalline materials, and then we have the, and that would be like a lithium disilicate material, and then we have the materials which are are all crystalline, and that would be like a zirconia material. Well, that was an excellent overview. So, based on what you're saying, is it um, justifiable to say that the zirconia materials are used most likely for posterior teeth, and they're not used in the anterior region of the mouth? So that's 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 a great um, question. So for a long time, when I talk about um, materials, I would just use I would just talk about those three kind of broad categories, like feldspathic porcelain, the glass ceramics, and zirconia. And yeah, zirconia was a posterior uh, type of material. But now uh, we kind of find out that there's uh, not just one type of zirconia anymore. There's now um, multiple kind of generations we call them of zirconia. So there's uh, it was zirconia first came out. It was just a, a framework material that you had a veneer porcelain on top of, and that was um, and that was kind of what we thought of as the first generation of zirconia. Uh, then around 2005, 2006, uh, the material that, that people a lot of people think about is like a Bruxier material uh, from from Glidewell, but also like a Lava Plus from 3M or the Katana HT from Kari. These are the second generation of zirconia. This is zirconia that could be used in a monolithic posterior crown. It was more translucent than the framework type materials. Mm-hmm. And then now we're into what we, what I think of as the third generation of zirconia. And these are zirconias that can be used in the anterior part of the mouth. And and the one that a lot of people know would be the katana UTML, katana STML. These are um, this newest generation of zirconia that can be used in a monolithic way without any veneering porcelain in the anterior part of the mouth. Um, how are they, they've are done they strong it, enough yeah. to use in the posterior part of the mouth as well? So, yeah, so that's... So that um, the new, the newer version that doesn't require the, the porcelain on top. So those ones, yeah, you can you can use them in the posterior part of the mouth. Uh, based on their strength, I wouldn't I would use them for single units in the posterior. Uh, so you can use them in the posterior, premolar, anterior part of the mouth in, in single units. Um, and and how they've how they've done this, how they've made this material um, more translucent is uh, so I think many of us know of uh, cubic zirconia and our day-to-day type of life, a fake diamond type of zirconia. Mm-hmm. So the zirconia that we use in dentistry typically wasn't a cubic zirconia. These newer generations of zirconia have incorporated some of the cubic zirconia into them. It's about 50% cubic zirconia, which makes the material more translucent. So that's how they could use them in the in the anterior part of the mouth. But kind of going back to your point, you do see a reduction in strength with the translucent by incorporating the the cubic zirconia into these, uh, so they're not they don't have the strength of the you know katana HT or Bruxier lava plus materials because they've it's a, again a little trade off between translucency and strength. I mean they are strong enough for single unit posteriors, but you know they're not they don't have the strength for uh, posterior posterior bridges. Yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah. so so the question is how strong do we need these <clears throat> you know because i've heard about wear problems against the opposing teeth um with some of the zirconia products have you heard it i mean i'm, I'm sure you have you're a phd uh, in materials what are your thoughts about um about wear properties yeah. of the zircon? 
And it's funny you bring up the PhD because that was my PhD topic was on where uh, was, we were developing. I worked with a guy named John Burgess at UAB, and we worked mm-hmm. on a uh, a project looking at wear of different materials. And so we've, uh, you know, there's been a number of graduate students that have come through here and done a bunch of projects looking at the wear of the enamel opposing zirconia. And when we were first doing these these studies, we thought, well, I think all of us that practice dentistry have seen those those uh, maxillary PFMs, which have caused all this abrasion to the to the lower incisors, mm-hmm. and um, so we thought, well, if porcelain can wear away the opposing dentition, uh, what is zirconia going to do? Because it's this much stronger and harder material. And when we did the wear test, we were actually really surprised to find out that we caused about ten times less wear of opposing enamel using zirconia than we did with porcelain, and there was surprising but when we went to go, to go try to figure out why this was it was because the porcelain because it's even though um it's less hard and it's less strong uh, because it's less strong it starts to chip during the wear process and it chips and it fractures and it becomes rough so now you have this rough porcelain wearing against the opposing enamel whereas the zirconia is so strong that it never it doesn't chip or fracture so it stays smooth throughout the wear cycle, so you don't cause the wear to the posing enamel. Oh, so right. actually yeah, the zirconia is yeah, wear, more wear-friendly than porcelain. And we have done some studies looking at the wear against uh, adjusted zirconia, and you do see a little bit more wear against adjusted zirconia. And actually last weekend I was doing a little bit of work trying to, you know, because they make different types of polishers for polishing zirconia, and I was evaluating a couple of the different polishers. And one of the things I realized was, you know, I'm trying to compare these different brands of polishers, and I realized that what made a bigger difference was the type of uh, diamond that you adjusted the zirconia with before you polished it. So if you use a coarse diamond to make your adjustments, you, you can't adjust it faster, but it's really challenging to try to polish those uh, burr marks out of with a coarse diamond. If you use a fine diamond, even if you do some adjustments with a coarse and then move to a fine, it's easier to polish the restoration out after um, after you've made those adjustments. Big clinical tip. That sounds like a whole nother podcast. <laughs> so what about the differences between the brands of zirconia? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. I think there's kind of this uh, perception out there that all, I think that all zirconia is the same and it's almost kind of turned into a commodity. And to some extent, there's some truth to that because many different brands of zirconia might be fabricated with a, a powder that's that's bought from a supplier that's that's similar for many different Brands. There are some. Uh, I know that's that's a big point of pride for Curare is that they make their own powders. Um, but aside from just the uh, way that the, the the powder that they use is how they make those pow- the zirconia powders into uh, our actual crown. So for those for those of you that hadn't been into a dental laboratory in maybe the last um, 10 years, I, when I first time I went to my lab after graduating from dental school, I was kind of surprised to see how all this stuff worked. But the way a zirconia crown makes is made is you start off with this, it looks like an oversized hockey puck, but with the consistency of about chalk. And that's and then the, the zirconia crown is kind of drilled out of that, and so that's what they call the milling process. And so the way they actually form that kind of hockey puck of zirconia is different between different manufacturers. So you can have people that take the, the powders and just what we call uniaxial press them. So it's just pressing them from the top and the bottom. And that's pretty common. And then the more high-end zirconias will be what they call isostatically pressed. So it's like you 
put it in a Ziploc bag and put it into a machine and it has the fluids which give a pressure from all sides, which makes sure that all the powder is kind of uniformly pressed into that puck. And, you know, I've, I've been on a number of different um, uh, tours of different uh, zirconium manufacturers and I have to say the first time I'd seen that machine was we went out uh, a couple months ago to to Japan where they were making the blocks of the katana and, and actually got to see the isostatic press, pressure machine and we were, when I was leaving that trip you know I went with a couple other guys and we were talking about the things that we enjoyed about the trip and I, I kept on talking about that isostatic pressing machine because I'd never seen one before I was so excited about that mm -hmm. but um but where that can come clinically is that I was I remember I was I had this four-unit anterior fixed partial denture that I was doing out of a translucent zirconia, and I had asked uh, the lab to make it for me, and I had just gotten back kind of like a generic translucent zirconia. I went to go try it on the abutment teeth, and it was kept on rocking, and I made some adjustments on the prep, and I couldn't get the thing to seat all the way, and then I sent it back to the laboratory, same, didn't re-impress or anything like that, so it wasn't impression material. Got and I asked for a you know brand name, uh, zirconia and they tried it on it and it fit and that's kind of the um, demonstrates the advantage of using a, a, a puck that's been pressed well is so that you get rid of some of the potential for deformities when they uh, center the final crown because if the, all the powders aren't pressed in there uniformly you can uh, particularly in longer span uh, bridges you can start to see deformation of the of the material when it's when it's fired so I think that's one of the advantages of using a, a brand name zirconia and then finally the way that they color the material. So, um, you know, with with zirconia, you can either, um, at, you know, with any kind of monolithic crown, you can do external painting on the outside of the crown, or now there's zirconia that has the, the colorants built into the zirconia, so that the, and they'll even can do a color gradient, so that, uh, you know, the cervical part of the crown uh, has this internal color to it and you see a color gradient going from uh, the cervical to the incisal portion of the crown that's built into the zirconia. So that's like um, the katana's UTML, STML is like that, lava aesthetic from 3M, they've got a translucent zirconia that has that kind of color and built in. The nice thing about that is if you have, you know, I always kind of wonder, worry about sometimes with these, if we're just doing all external staining on crowns and if the patient has reflux or you know, they're brushing with something that's particularly abrasive if some of that external staining is going to come off over time. And if you've got this internal staining built into your into your zirconia crown, you know, at least even if they take off some of the external staining, at least it won't reveal this totally white opaque uh, uh, crown under there that you'll have some of the internal stain that, that's built into the zirconia. So, mm -hmm. What was the yeah. name of the, the, the brand that you actually went with when you sent it back to the lab for the denture? Yeah. Oh, for the when I we so I was trying not to sound too commercial here, but yeah, we they did they were using the Katana UTML at the at the lab that I was you know we, you could specify the in-house brand or or you know specify uh, a commercial brand, and so I could tell that it, the one that I the first one that I got back was generic because I looked at the inside of the crown and there was no uh, variation in the so it wasn't an uh, internally shaded block, so I knew that it wasn't. Uh, so I knew it was a generic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, feel free to so, yeah. feel free to mention <laughs> products that you like because our listeners do want recommendations, and that's why I asked. That that was the, and that's a Curare product. 
the, the yep, company. absolutely, yeah. So yeah, they're big. Yeah. I mean, they're they're big on these materials. They they take it very seriously. Their manufacturing process, as you described when you visited Japan, I've heard about um, their processing as well, and uh, it's unparalleled. So that was excellent information, Dr. Lawson. I know we're going to be doing uh, a few more with you. We have a future one coming up on surface treatment of dental ceramics, and that's always a big topic. And then we have one on uh, cementing dental ceramics and this, what materials to use to bond these things in. So we're looking forward to yeah. that one as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I guess maybe the, the the last thing that, you know, to end the, this topic off that, that I would say is uh, I just had, a, I just got back from teaching a class to our, our residents here and we had the discussion about if you're out, if you're in practice and you're contacting your laboratory and you want to know which generation of zirconia are you using? Are you using the stuff that's a little bit more translucent, but maybe a little weaker are you using the stuff that you use for posterior bridges? There's so many different brands and names out there. How do you keep all this stuff straight? So the, maybe the last little thing to leave with is either, you know, if you're going to talk to the lab, the, again, the more translucent stuff is going to be the stuff that has some cubic in it. There, it could, in science, we, defin, we define it as uh, five mole percent uterine containing the stronger stuff doesn't have cubic. It's going to be the three mole yttria con containing material and some name brands. Again, the, the more translucent stuff would be like the Katana UTML, Katana STML. And like with the Kari brands, their, their, uh, their posterior st stronger one would be like the Katana HT. And, you know, all the manufacturers have different names. So that was, that would be maybe one suggestion for how to communicate with your lab, how to know which kind of zirconia you're getting. So again, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to our future podcast. Yeah, that was great, Dr. Lawson. Thank you so much. And yeah, we're looking forward to having you back on. You're the expert and we're learning this stuff from you. So we're very grateful. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.